0: Tamir. Hi, Allison. We're back. Here we are.
1: Here we are. (laughs) Where is here, Allison?
0: Season two, episode three, which we've entitled Letting Go, Allison's last episode. Like, no. Bittersweet. We've talked about our bittersweet feels about this. We'll talk more about it today. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah. So, we've we've led with it being your last episode. Let's let's talk about just what's happening for you.
0: Yeah, I, I am the season of letting go. Um, before this season, for the last eight plus years, I have been running a business full time, working for myself, uh, doing anti-racism coaching, facilitation, consulting primarily with white folks and white-led organizations. Um, And for the last year, I've been really struggling with burnout. I've just really kind of hit a burnout wall, maybe a little less than a year ago, um, but like hit it hard and uh, sought out some coaching, sought out a burnout coach who's fantastic. And through that process, I realized that it's time for me to step away from my business for, I don't know how long, for at least a season, Um, and pause kind of most of my professional anti-racism work. There's some that I'll continue with, but most of it, uh, I'm pausing as I figure out what's next and continue to heal from burnout. So that includes pausing this podcast, pausing, doing that with you.
1: Yeah. Mm. And as I've I've
0: said, yeah.
1: As I've said to you privately, like I'm I'm super happy for you and sad for me. Um, this has been such a yeah. treasure. And I think about all the ways in which I've grown. We said when we started this we were doing it because we needed it. Yeah. And that proved to be correct. Yes. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've grown so much through doing this work with you and also just even before this, working with you has always been a joy. Um, and um we're gonna we're gonna find other ways to play together outside of the yeah. space for now, um, yes. we've got some some fun things planned <laughs> that um, maybe we'll tell you about later. I don't know yet. Um, and then just so folks know, I'm doing some thinking about what's next for the pod. Is it in it together with another co-host? Co-host? Horsed? <laughs> Words? Is it is it in together with another co-host? Or is it a different kind of conversation about racial justice? Um, so look to hear more from us about that um, or more from me. I'm so used to speaking in the collective first person when we're talking about <laughs> us. Um, yeah. I'm so, excited.
0: I'm excited to see what you will carry this on to become. And I'm excited to support it whenever it looks like.
1: Yeah. So what, what did the letting go process look like for you?
0: Oh my gosh. And I know you're in a season of letting go too. So I want to make sure after I talk, we talk to talk about some of the stuff you're letting go of. Um, sure. The letting go season has looked like holding on with a stranglehold grip to the things that I've been doing for the last eight years. <laughs> the season has started uh, by a lot of this last year, just holding on um for dear life because if i'm not doing this what am i doing? i don't have a next plan a next step. um i don't know what comes next. so i think because of that fear and because of like i don't know i i believe in this work. i feel like i'm pretty good at this work. yeah, i've held on really tightly to just kind of keep doing what i've been doing for the last many years. and I felt pretty resentful. I felt pretty miserable. Um, yeah, the holding on has not has <laughs> not been not been the way forward and it took I think it just took a while for me to accept that and then really mm-hmm. start where I am now is like truly letting go and saying, okay, I'm gonna move away from this work even if I don't have a plan, even if it's not that logical, I know kind of inside myself, in my, my heart, heart but that's
1: what I need to do can I can I ask you one more question
0: sure yeah
1: what was the conversation with yourself like around what kind of anti-racist does this make me if I'm not <laughs> you know working with white yeah. people if I'm not doing the pod anymore like where does that leave me as an ally as a I know you don't use that word to, to describe mm-hmm. yourself but like as a, an, an agent for racial justice
0: I am in that right now. I'm in thinking about that right now. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think I'm trying to be curious. I'm trying not to go into like self judgment or shooting myself. Um, I'm trying to get curious about what is this next season of allyship of, you know, standing up for racial justice, uh, look like for me mm-hmm. and recognizing that, you know, I was engaged in racial justice before I started a business and doing this work professionally. And so I can be engaged after it. Like this isn't, this is the way I've been doing anti-racism work is only one of a multitude of ways. So I'm curious and I am, I don't know, I guess like cautiously optimistic about like what, what it'll look like next and kind of starting to look out for opportunities of what it could look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could definitely see myself going down a road of like shame and like, like I could see that being a possibility, but I'm just I really intentionally don't want to go down that road because I know it's not, I know like shame and guilt are not great motivators yeah. for folks to take action, right? As we've yeah. talked about.
1: Yeah. And and as we've talked about many times, there's so much messaging out there that says if you don't do this, mm-hmm. you're part of the problem. Yeah. Right. And that's like a very binary, like rigid way of looking at things, there's so much meaningful work to be done for justice. And a lot of it is something that like no call to action might have thought of explicitly, right? Like the potential for creativity, for co-creation, for just Mm -hmm. plugging in, in a different way. And I, I have to believe on the one hand, I think there's a, a time and a place for just doing a thing that needs to be done. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we've been in a moment, we talked about it in a recent episode, right. There's genocide and ethnic cleansing happening in the Middle East. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta actions. If you can plan mm-hmm. them, great. At least show up, right? Yep. And do what you can. And I think there's something to be said for following your energy. Because mm-hmm. I think, like, when you're like you were talking about forcing yourself to do stuff and dealing with the drag of, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't have the energy. Yeah, that's
0: drag. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. Like it's just for me, it just became untenable that like, yeah. I can't, I can't make myself keep doing these things and like for, I can't force myself to do it. Right. But yeah. so then, yeah, I really don't want to go any further down the road of being resentful of anything related to this work. So yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that kind of resentment has an impact, right? Like if you force 100%. yourself, I went to a meeting recently of a group of people I love working with and I was like mm-hmm. half there. I was talking to to one of my, my colleagues last night and it's not because I didn't want to be there. It's just like, I couldn't be fully present that impacts the group.
0: Totally. Yeah. Like it's, it's a disservice to everything. It's a disservice to ourselves. It's a disservice to the work that we're trying to do. The people we're trying to do that work with, like, it's just not, yeah, it's not, not a good look.
1: (laughs) And like, I don't, I'm not super familiar with this literature, but I understand that there's a lot of literature out there that talks about the limitations of willpower. Yeah. And I used to be like a serious willpower person, right? I worked 12 to 16 hour days, wore it like a badge of honor. And my inner monologue was like, come on, come on, dude, do one more thing. And I was not this nice, right? You can imagine It came from a place of worthlessness that like the next thing was going to make me worthy. And for years I didn't realize it. And I produced a lot. I wasn't very nice. Mm. I wasn't very kind. I wasn't very relational. Um, and yeah,
0: folks probably didn't enjoy yeah. working with you in that period, right? That but- is
1: accurate. That is accurate. A lot of people respected me, but didn't like me very much. Um, and that was well earned on my part. So, like, all that is to say, like, willpower can be useful, perhaps in short bursts or on specific things. But I don't know a lot of people who live a life organized around willpower and still alone and still do good work yeah you know what i mean
0: for the long term exactly as you said right like, like it's that can be it's like a i don't know it's like an energy drink or something mm-hmm. i want to be drinking them all day long every day <laughs> like if I, yeah. if I need to pull all night night or every now and again i can lean into that just sheer willpower but like yeah that's not a sustainable thing for me
1: yeah and i think like there's some discernment for us as white folks around when are we feeling pulled. To move in another direction and where are we just defaulting to comfort and it's a fine line because i actually i'm starting to unsubscribe from this from the idea that this work is inherently and always uncomfortable mm-hmm. i think there are parts of it that are there are seasons of discomfort mm-hmm. but the idea that we're always going to be uncomfortable and like by extension we're always going to feel kind of bad mm-hmm. is a thing i don't know if i've let go of it yet but for years now, I've been operating with this sort of like inner hall monitor almost that whenever yeah. I start to feel too easy or like things are too straightforward, it's like, oh, but you might be causing harm. Mm. I am just like, yeah. I feel pretty done with that. I'm tired of it. And I don't know that it makes my work any better. And when I think about the people in this work who I'm in relationship with and people of color specifically, like none of them want me to show up that way. They don't act that way towards me. So it's it's not like, what is that actually reflective of? It's reflective of I a think, fear
0: yeah, of I causing harm
1: and re- being a piece of shit. Sorry, go ahead, Allison.
0: No, no, I interrupted you. I think it's it's reflective of a fear. I think it's reflective of um, kind of just like how, I don't know, martyrdom in some way, which we just talked mm-hmm. about with the overwork. But like, yeah, that if we're not, yeah, I guess that is based in fear, right? If we're not like yeah. doing way more than too much then we're not doing enough and I'm with yeah. you like I think I think I also have that inner I've had that inner hall monitor but I feel like it really undermines I guess um how much joy there is to be had in the work yeah because there is like joy <laughs> it
1: yeah
0: you know there are like wonderful people in relationships and yeah it's not roses all the time but like I think it paints a false picture yeah. of what this work can look like
1: yeah I think in some ways, It's emerged in response to a lot of white people's inability and or unwillingness to be in discomfort at all. Mm. Right. Like if somebody comes to me and said, like, I think something that you did was really problematic and it hurt me and here's why. Mm. I wouldn't want somebody listening to this to be like, well, that makes me uncomfortable and I don't need to be uncomfortable in this work.
0: Sure. Yeah. So
1: I don't think it's that, right? Like our capacity to handle and navigate discomfort in this work is really important. And our ability to parse that discomfort in order to understand what's happening, what's that issue, how are we showing up in ways that are impacting this, and how might other people, right? Aww. It's more to get out of this idea that if the work isn't uncomfortable or you don't feel bad, you're doing it wrong. You're doing and you're it probably right. yeah. being a bad white person. And I yeah. just think that kind of self-flagellation, like I was raised with that kind of self-flagellation, you know, every year, High Holy Days, grow up, eating my chest, <laughs> conf- like yeah. repenting these sins that I've never done. It's a really weird thing in that my particular, I don't know if it's my particular Orthodox upbringing or what. Yeah. Um, and it's just like. It's a weirdly familiar and almost comfortable place to be in, and I'm I'm letting go of that. I'm I'm sick of it. I don't think it makes me better at the work. It makes me want to quit the work. If I'm yeah. being really honest, ask no. What, what what's the what's the point of that?
0: Yeah, yeah. We need we need you in the work. We need us in the work in some way or another. But yeah. I'm glad you brought up the kind of piece around discernment. I think this gets into some rigorous questions around: Am I avoiding just kind of? I don't know, run of the mill discomfort, like kind of the, mm-hmm. just kind of everyday discomfort of doing this work, just like yeah. would in any work. Or am I really being called in a different direction? And and I've I've really been wrestling with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, because like the work's hard on a good day. Like it often mm-hmm. is hard, right? Like sure. it's, you know, coaching facilitation, it's yeah, it can be can be challenging. Um, yeah, but I I really landed in a place upon a lot of reflection and looking at like where I was feeling resentment or frustration that it, it doesn't feel like I'm just avoiding the work. Like the, no. the, the work actually hasn't changed, right? The work is not really any harder, or easier than it was two years ago, five years ago, eight years ago for me, but I have changed. Like mm-hmm. I am different and I'm still figuring out how I've changed. Like, I don't have like a great, like, this is how I'm different, <laughs> but mm-hmm that's kind of, yeah, taking a step back and kind of almost looking more objectively at the work I'm doing and my feelings Mm -hmm. as I'm doing that work has helped me realize that, no, it's not, I'm not like any more or less frustrated with people, organizations, you know, issues that come up. I just, I don't know. I'm not called. I'm not called in the same way that I was.
1: Yeah. Or. I think I do think there there comes a point, right? So let's say this goes on for a year. Yeah. Right? I imagine you might ask yourself, okay, so I haven't figured this out yet, but I should probably be doing something. Yeah. Right. So what can I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think this is this is where like, and I think for most white folks, sometimes that kind of uncertainty or that kind of gestational period, where you're growing into some new version of yourself and how you show up in the work changes, yeah. can lead to checking out.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to stay in it. A lot of the times as white people in a regular moment, right? Like momentum mm-hmm. is a thing, but we can always go back in the bubble up yeah. to a certain point. Um, yeah, yeah. so I think that's a thing we have to guard against, but Absolutely. not doing it in a way that's about shame, but about like, if this is, if this is really something I'm about, then yeah. how am I, how am I living into that? Right. Yeah. I don't necessarily have all the answers, but like, what can I do just to stay in it, just to keep in the rhythm of it, to keep some momentum? Yeah. I find that I, when I start to feel disconnected, getting together with folks who do the work is really a balm for me and it helps process and just like get back to some clarity. Yep. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm curious what you're letting go of. What is kind of letting go? look like in your world these days, you're not letting, you're not letting go of professional racial justice work.
1: So, um, I don't know what I'm letting go of yet. I think I I'm going to be really unvarnished and talk about some of what I've been thinking about the pod. So I think there's, there's a couple of different directions that I could see it going. And one is, like I said before, we keep talking about white allyship with another white co-host. Right. Mm. Um, and, there's still valuable stuff to be talked about. It's still relevant. People, you know, people I meet around town are still telling me about some episode they listen to, which is really cool. And for, mm-hmm. for all our local listeners, I love you. Thank you. See you soon. Um and then I think about In It Together, a solidarity podcast with a multiracial group of hosts talking about issues and how we engage with one another in this work.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I think one of the things that I'm starting to feel dissatisfied with it's like i came into this chapter of my professional life like outside of this pod my work focuses on helping groups greet the relational conditions that let them take on white supremacy without falling apart in the process mm-hmm. and i i came back to work this january being like i don't want to deal with fucking feelings right now <laughs> and i think over the holidays i shut that part of myself off i was feeling depleted i had been in like a pretty ugly um, conflict with someone I had been building with, um, which activated a lot of stuff for me. Um, and is also like bringing up some stuff I'm letting go, but part of it is like, how much do I still want to be working with people who aren't necessarily touching people's lives directly, Hmm. but are then, um, and then like, in organizations where we're not working directly with communities, we get caught up in a bunch of weird stuff that takes on more weight than it should because we're not connected to real lives of people Mm. outside of the organization. Your colleagues have real lives, right? But like, it's not the same. Um, And there's a part of me that's been feeling an aversion to that. And I've been coming back to like, is this, is working with the folks who are movement adjacent still where I want to be? I think there's, I'm leaning towards a yes and just coming back into it. But there's a part of that that applies to talking about solidarity. It's like, what is the impact of a group of people having this kind of conversation? And I'm mm. thinking about that. Now I'm talking, this person doesn't know this yet, um, but I'm talking about potentially joining this if and like getting their thoughts on it. Um, so they'll listen to it after we've met anyway. Um, <laughs> and part of me is like, what's the path we see to this really being efficacious? Mm. And I think like, if it helps people... Fight less, see more clearly, and win more, it's great. Yeah. And then there's a part of me, I was just listening to Code Switch before this, and um, it was an episode where the hosts were in Little Rock talking about a bill passed under the leadership, quote unquote, leadership of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, mm. um, and how how it basically is taking resources out of public schools and putting them in the hands of mostly white families so that they can off right off part of the cost of private schools. And the private schools are now raising tuition in part because to basically absorb the vouchers and increase mm. the revenue <sighs> where the place where school desegregation started in terms of like Brown V board of ed, where the state shut down the schools for a year, the public schools for a year, yeah, to defer to to fend off desegregation, and like American public schools are still as segregated as they were in nineteen fifty four yeah, um, so I think about stuff like that, I think about I've been thinking a lot about this is a sorry, a really long road that's going somewhere, um thinking a lot about this poll I read a couple of years ago that said that, um. 20% of black folks surveyed. This was by Pew, um, mm-hmm. want fewer or no police. The vast majority of black people are more or less okay with the amount of policing there is. I'm sure there's a range of complex viewpoints within that range. And there's, a, 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 another 20% who want more cops.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was watching this thing last night on Instagram where Biden was at AME church
0: Oh, I saw that. Yeah.
1: And some protesters, I think one of them might've been black, but two of them were white and they interrupted him Mm -hmm. and he was commemorating the murder of black parishioners at the church. Um, And they stood up and interrupted him to call for a ceasefire, which I had mixed feelings about, Mm. right? Because doing that in that moment, like there are other places to do that, that feel more appropriate to me than a moment about commenting anti-black racism. Something about that didn't sit well with me. Yeah. But then the crowd got up. About, like there are a lot of white folks in the crowd, but there were a lot of mm-hmm. black folks in the crowd too. And started chanting four more years to a guy that anti-Zionists have been calling genocide Joe yeah. because he is, he's starting to change his tune now, but for a long time, he was just in Israel's pocket and yeah. he has been for decades. So like, it's sort of like, th- I have this moment of like, what are we even doing? Mm. And I think part <laughs> of this moment for me is literally kind of the way you are is like, what am I doing now?
0: What am right. I doing? <laughs>
1: we'll what am I doing? Speaking. Like, yeah, yeah, no, what am What am I doing? And to what end, right? What does it really mean to help somebody make their life better? Is that even the goal? And I think I'm just in this moment where because I've had a little bit of separation from the work, I'm asking these questions afresh. So I mm. I don't know exactly what I'm letting go of. I do know that I'm letting go of sitting in the heaviness of the work and what's hard mm. about it, where I've lived for a lot of the last few years. Mm. Um. I think I'm getting close to letting go of starting with theory Mm. and like moving more towards application and then backing into theory. I've had a lot – I don't want to go there. Um, I think sometimes it feels too removed for me even though I believe in what I'm doing and saying. And um, I'm letting go of a – Tendency to be really tender toward people who behave inappropriately towards me. And I mean that outside of the work and in the work, right? Mm-hmm. Where often my my response when somebody comes at me is to be really vulnerable and tender and say, like, I'm sorry I had this impact on you. I really care about you and I, I want to work this out. And I've had a couple of experiences in the last few months where somebody has heard that and then just kind of relentlessly continue to come at me. And mm-hmm. um, I'm done. Accepting that. Yeah. I, Oof. and there's a way in which I have, like, I've been told my vulnerability is a superpower. Yeah. And I think there's a part of me that has lived too much in that vulnerability. Mm. And then I want to work in service to something else. I want to lean more into what it's like to actually be doing this in a way that embodies where we want to go. Mm. And, like, again, I want that to be less theoretical. Right? Like, we can't theory our way to policy alone, right? Yeah. Like, there's people in my town who are struggling right now, and how are you making their lives better, regardless of what their political analysis is?
0: Yeah. So that
1: was a whole lot of stuff I just said. <laughs> Please jump in. A whole in. lot of
0: stuff. But what I got from that is that you're pushing back against this work has to be hard and miserable and, like, need yes. more into what is enjoyable about the work you are leaning away from theory and really kind of pushing into application. Like what are we doing today? That is, you know, making a difference in the lives Mm. of folks. Those are the two main things I took away.
1: Yeah. I think that's right. I think Mm. that's right. And those are, those are pretty big shifts for me. Yeah. And so to come back to the pod, right. And thinking about like, we're talking about solidarity. It's like, what exactly are we talking about?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know, Um, and I think- And between- I also
0: hear you maybe wanting to think more expansively about that. Like if the future of the pod is like a, a multiracial set of hosts or guests, yeah. So like, yeah, solidarity, maybe in, I don't yeah. know, maybe solidarity around different topics too, beyond racial justice, or, maybe, or you're not maybe sure. it's
1: actually, maybe it's not really about solidarity. Maybe solidarity is a part of it,
0: Yeah.
1: right? But like there are conversations about, building multiracial political power, mm. right? And part of that is about the ways that we're fighting each other, but maybe that's not the only focus. And there are there are really good podcasts about this now, right? Deepa Iyer has a podcast called Solidarity Is, which yes. gets into a lot of very practical stuff about how folks have organized. It, it feels like a podcast for organizers. So yeah. this is getting y'all way in the sausage right now. If you have <laughs> thoughts about this, the email in it together podcast at gmail.com is still up. Please send them our way. Um and yeah, um, I guess I'll I'll leave it at that. This is, you may have guessed, this is our most unscripted episode outside of those coffee <laughs> breaks we did last year. Um, so I came in not knowing what I was going to say. So some of what you're getting is what Allison has gotten during our regular calls in terms of speaking <laughs> out loud.
0: Oh, we spitball, we spitball a lot.
1: We do. <laughs> it's fun. <sighs> And I want to say one of the things that's felt really good about doing this work, Allison, has been doing it with you. Every time we come together, I think this is true for both of us, right? Coming in yep. a shitty mood and just like by the end, just feel so much better. And I'm gonna miss that.
0: Well, we're gonna stay connected in other ways, as you, that's true. as you alluded to. We're figuring out what that's gonna look like. Should
1: we should um, we talk about the thing we've talked about? Sure. <laughs> so yeah. uh. we've been talking about doing some some. Friend accountability around growing mushrooms. And (laughs) to the many DEA agents who love this podcast, no, we're not talking (laughs) about the fun kind. We're talking about like the healthy kinds.
0: Um, Run-of-the-mill cooking mushrooms. Yeah, You mentioned wanting to start growing them. It's something that's been on my mind. I'm starting kind of a big gardening project with my partner. So yeah, I think we're going to have some like mushroom growing check-ins, which- It should be a whole different kind of check-in than, than the ones we've had over the last few This should be fun. <laughs> In it
1: together, a mushroom growing club. Um,
0: <laughs> Only if there's a pun about fun guy.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm already a fun guy, okay? Um, what was I going to say? Um, hashtag shroom club. <laughs> Hit us up. <laughs> I have a friend hey. who actually has a, uh, has had a podcast about beans.
0: Oh, I love that. Called
1: the Daily Bean. And every day for, I don't remember how long, she was just like, she had like a little snippet of information about some bean.
0: Wow. That's a lot of bean information. I love, I just love a niche, a niche thing like that.
1: It is definitely niche.
0: Wait, I don't want to lose one thing. One yeah. thing in, in our kind of all over the place brainstorming about this was, we always like to share some rigorous questions. And yeah, we came up with some, I think pretty solid rigorous questions for folks who were in, I don't know, kind of the muck that I've described of my last uh-huh. year, maybe some of the some of what you've described too of not knowing, like what <laughs> what's what's my next move? Like where where do I need to show up and do allyship? Like what does that look like in this season of my life?
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: can we hit on some of those questions?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: So the question that you came up with first, which I just love because it's so simple. So instead of like kind of a shame-based question or a should-based question, you went with, what do I want more of in the world? Mm. And I just love that. I feel like it's so clarifying. It's not like, what is everyone telling me I should be doing? Where am I feeling pressure to like be pushed to take action? But just this like, I don't know, it feels very asset-based to me. What do I want more of in the world?
1: What do you what want, to do you say want more of in the world?
0: Question, where that question came from or?
1: Um, I don't remember. <laughs> do, your, do your work then forget it. The only path to serenity, says the Tao Te Ching. It's funny because as I, I had forgotten that I put hmm. that question down. And as I'm thinking about it, I start thinking about all the things I want less yeah. of. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, um, you know, I want more ease. That feels very, very clear. And that, that's been happening for a while. Yeah, And again, it doesn't mean we're not dealing with hard stuff. It just like, I I think like for me, I, I have to start with myself before mm-hmm. I can even think about the world. Like I want more ease in mm-hmm. how I move through the world and also like the worries that I have about how I'm showing up. Mm-hmm. That is a thing I want for myself. I am very, like I've worn myself out worrying about being a harmful POS and it just, I don't think it's ever really been that valuable. Um, mm. And like, I want to continue. I, I want more of a sense of community that spans different identities, right? Generations, racial groups. And like, I'm, I'm living in a place that's mostly white. Mm. Um, and being a person of color here is really exhausting, according to the people I know who are doing it here. Right. And like I want like and the community that we do have is a bomb for them in many cases. Mm. And I want the bomb to be more of what's here. Mm. I want that exhaustion to go away. And I want it to be replaced with a feeling of just like camaraderie and fun and care and joy and ease. Um and I, I mean this is kind of a cheat. Like I want more peace.
0: Mm.
1: I, I want us to be less warlike. Yeah and less comfortable with violence mm. and i think that requires us to have a greater fluency and expectation of solutions that don't that don't involve violence whether we're talking about the so-called criminal justice system or we're talking about community schooling or we're talking about conflict between nations mm. right like what would what would the world be like if war was just never on the table if violence was never on the table and maybe that's fanciful thinking, but I think if that's the world we want, we got to start there. What about you?
0: Oh, well, I just, I love, I love all of that. And I love how you kind of turned from uh, kind of deficit-based answers to more asset-based answers, you know, like what, moving from what you want less of to what you want more of.
1: I just thought of the oh. opposite of what I wanted less of. Honestly.
0: <laughs> Quick hack, <laughs> do the opposite.
1: of <laughs> um,
0: I mean, yes, I co-sign all those things and I want both for myself and for the world, um, more community, more freedom, more creativity, more ease, more, and when I think about freedom, like ability to pursue opportunities, resources, relationships, experiences, you know, that are are beneficial um, to myself, to other folks. Um, I want more possibility just thinking about what you were talking, just saying mm-hmm. about like what if war wasn't on the table? So what are our what are our possibilities? What are our alternatives? Um I want more of this question. I want more focus on building the world that I want to be a part of versus pushing back against the world that exists. And we need both. Like I'm you know, yeah, we can't we do. <laughs> only live in the future and only in possibility, but I think. I think a lot of times progressive folks often Mm -hmm. can get caught up in just being on defense all the time. Um,
1: And and developing an oppositional mindset too, right? We're like, we we are animated by a sense of indignance with the things that are wrong. And so that's where we direct our energy.
0: Yep. Yeah. As opposed to being animated by the possibilities of what could be and what we need to do to get there. And again, we need both, but I feel like a lot of times we sway really far to (laughs) to being on defense instead of on offense.
1: I just want to say like, and even, even that language, right? Are we on offense by building what we want? No, we're actually getting (laughs) out of the game altogether. True.
0: True. I went sports sports and I made a whole other metaphorical set.
1: I want to say like for, for white folks who are listening to this be like, are we just centering whiteness and white comfort in this? I don't think so because there's lots of activists of color, nationally known leaders of color who are saying the same things Mm -hmm. about predominantly BIPOC, excuse me, movement spaces. Yeah. Right. That if we're not also focused on building and embodying what we want, Mm -hmm. um, then we're in trouble, and mm-hmm. I think like movement organizations, movement adjacent organizations, and that's where I spend most of my time, right? With movement adjacent organizations, are are suffering from this kind of like everything's wrong, and so we can't move forward, and it's miring us down. And there's a lot to unpack about how that's playing out, but I don't think that feels good for everyone. I do. I just think there's something to be said for feeling good and doing this work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you named the white comfort thing um, in terms of this. And yeah, it makes me think about how inspired I get by folks of color doing abolition work, doing like mm. prison abolition work. I feel like when I think about who I'm learning from and kind of who's at the forefront of building a future that doesn't yet exist, they they come to mind. That's a group of folks yeah. that come to mind that like folks that are both imagining and creating um practical resources for not engaging with the police for alternatives to imprisonment and like yeah. that's i mean yeah i think that has been unthinkable and is still unthinkable for a lot of folks but they're making it thinkable <laughs> they're making it
1: yeah
0: a possibility you know
1: yeah that i will say abolition is one of the topics that i'm sad we're not going to get to um on our list. We've been wanting to talk about it for a long time. Um, I've been thinking about it a lot here, right? It's mm-hmm. like, and I, I'm thinking about, I, I know a couple of people who are interested in doing abolition work here. There's not a big group. There are folks here that are working now on sort of more of the military industrial complex mm-hmm. that have picked up. I don't know if they started or picked up steam with what's been happening in Palestine. Cause there's actually okay. a lot of weapons manufacturers out here. Mm. Um yeah. But then I think about, okay, if we're going to advocate to defund the police out here, what would that even look like? And what does it mean to build something? Mm -hmm. And then I think about the idea that policing is itself criminogenic, that just the fact of police officers being there creates crimes where there was no crime, Mm -hmm. right? And the more policing there is, the more crimes are generated because there's somebody there to decide that an infraction has occurred or invent one because they can. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that comes to like, is it really that we need to build something else? Or is it just that we need to accept that this is a waste of our time and money, and it's causing harm? I don't mm-hmm. have good answers, but I do think like, who are you going to call if something happens? Sure, it's not an unfair question. I don't know. We all. don't really have another answer, right? And I what if practical like answers? Like?
0: Folks who are doing abolition work are creating those answers. They're creating that so. mental health emergency response teams that exist in my right. neck of the woods, and you know that yeah, that don't send an armed officer
1: and here's, <laughs> as the only person here's an works. interesting anyway. case i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off
0: no no that i just yeah i'm inspired when i think about who's building the kind of world i want to live in a lot of times it's abolitionists and a lot of those yeah are
1: i agree i agree and i also think about um is an interesting case study that that came to me as you were talking is like what we want more of versus what we want less so COVID 19 right a global mobilization of resources to deal with a disease that killed millions of people. Mm -hmm. Policing as an institution (laughs) has harmed significant percentages of our population. Mm -hmm. Right. at at, at, Literally a population level. What's the stat that like a third of black men have been incarcerated in their lifetime or will be like, that's fucking wild. That is what like, three percent of the american population and then that's not even counting the ways that criminalization impacts other communities of color and white people um and the compound effects of that what if we like that's also a a case of what what some call slow violence right so the pandemic is fast violence and then it kills a lot of people really fast Mm. right and policing is like embedded in and we don't notice like the i'm sure it actually works quite quickly if you're caught up in it but like we don't really notice it right if you're not in it but what would happen if we were like, this is a national emergency and we're going to devote meaningful resources to answering that question of, okay, what else keeps us safe? Yeah. And then like, how do we resource that?
0: Yep. Yeah. I just love this question of yours. What do I want more of in the world?
1: Well, that's still the first rigorous question, isn't it? What are the other questions?
0: <laughs> well, the other ones I have noted down are, we only had three, but I think they're solid. Where okay. is my energy best used? So really doing that kind of personal reflection, which again, I'm in the midst of right now of like, I have as a human, as all humans, I've got skills, resources, experiences, identities. How can these things contribute? How can I contribute these to what I want more of in the world?
1: Yeah, it's a good one.
0: Mm -hmm. I love how we had so much to say about the first one and this one. We're like, yeah, that's, that's solid.
1: It's pretty straightforward, <laughs> right? Um, do you want to, the, do you want to go ahead?
0: I was going to say the third one is just what's the first step I can take, like recognizing that, you know, there isn't always a perfect first step, but like if I know what I want more of in the world, if I have a sense of what I can contribute in terms of skills, energy, resources, what do I do with that? What's one step I can take? And how can I gain information from taking that first step that will lead to taking future steps?
1: Yeah. And going back a question, I think we did an episode sometime in season one about the ways in which we can like treat ourselves as we're like special in like a pejorative way by Mm -hmm. not being willing to do basic things. We're not saying like, if you're a, I don't know, a professional yoga teacher. And Mm. like, that's how you're devoting all your energy that you can't also be useful by helping to like do grunt work to organize a protest.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Those two things are not mutually exclusive, but it's like, but I think about how I can apply my full life force or much of it, right. To this work in a meaningful way. What does that look like Mm -hmm. for me? And it doesn't mean what am I above? Right. And I think that's where a lot of white folks, like, you know, they, a lot of white folks like, we're on to steer the ship, but they don't want to like swab the deck. And that's mm-hmm. not a good, it's not a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to, to offer that clarification.
0: Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Mm. I
1: think the, the first step, I think in talking about all this is like really listening to ourselves Yeah. and practicing some discernment around like what's happening inside me around how I'm feeling about this work. Yep. I know some people who've gone too long without asking themselves those questions and they're not enjoyable to work with in this work. And like people appreciate them because they carry water and they also resent them because they're often dicks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And like, that's not, what is that really doing? Mm -hmm. So I think just like checking in with ourselves about where, and like, what, like how our energy is, what, like what it's like, where it is and where does it want to go? There's a level in which that becomes sort of like the whitewashed, like, spiritual industrial complex but there's like a level short of that that's still holding a commitment to moving justice work forward
0: yeah well and i think it's what we do with that right if you just stop at the introspection if you stop at the dreaming and the introspection mm-hmm. and make it all about you right <laughs> and take action in service of other people in the world that you're right. trying to build with with and for other people like yeah it totally becomes just kind of a you know a, a personal self-help project totally that,
1: yeah <laughs> like one of the things about like the mushroom thing is i have this like pipe dream that like if i really just gets like if i really just fed up with doing justice work i'm just gonna grow mushrooms and like i'll find some way to make that about justice and like maybe <laughs> that's true on some level <laughs> but i know it's a fantasy also you know what i mean and like um i forget where i was going with that i forgot where i was going with that i don't know i'm going somewhere <laughs>
0: just yeah that's okay <laughs> yeah,
1: we, can leave it. we can leave it there um we should celebrate
0: yes yeah
1: mm. what are you what are you proudest of in the two years that we've been doing this mm.
0: I am proud that we did it which may sound like um you know an excuse but When we were in the research phase of thinking about doing this, we definitely had other people tell us it wasn't a great idea. And not like, well, not, well, here, not that it was, wasn't useful content, but that we might be putting ourselves at uh, undue risk by Uh white people who publicly talk about anti-racism and put our stuff out into the world, um, that we might be at risk of being canceled, that we might be, you know, Mm -hmm. that we might get a lot of blowback. Mm -hmm. Uh, And cancellation is is real, it's a thing that happens. Like, I I don't want to make light of that. But yeah, so I, and I know I had some fears coming into this. I had some fears about how we're perceived. and Will our words be taken out of context or twisted? Or are we going to cause harm to folks of color, Mm -hmm. despite, you know, all of our best intentions? So I am proud that we did this. I'm proud that we were messy in public, that we showed up, mm-hmm. um, and invited, you know, response and feedback and, and we've gotten a lot of really positive feedback. And so that's, you know,
1: yeah,
0: felt affirming. Um, yeah, I feel like doing this has inspired me and will continue to inspire me to push my edges more and to take more risks, um, mm you know for the sake of what is needed and what is right you know we we created this cuz there were conversations that we were having as white people with other white people in small groups you know not not in the public eye that we felt like we would be helpful to more white folks to have them more publicly and so yeah i'm i'm proud that we took some risks and and yeah. did some some public work <laughs>
1: Can I share a moment that made me especially proud to be working with you?
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm sorry. You guys can't can't see Allison right now. She's the sweetest look on her face. I don't don't
0: know what you're going to say. I don't know what you're going (laughs) to
1: say. So when we got ready to do our episode on Israel and Palestine, which is the last episode we produced before this, you came in with, with, um, I'd say, like a fair amount of nervousness about it. And you really like- Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) you acknowledged it and, um, you really pushed yourself to stay in it Hmm. and not in the way that we were talking about before, where it's like, you're going to make yourself do the thing because of what you should be doing, because there was a part of you who felt like that's where you needed to be.
0: And it was the right thing to offer.
1: It was was the right right
0: thing. thing. It felt like it was in my integrity and the right thing to do even if it pissed people off, even people, if people misunderstood me or tried to misunderstand me, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, thank you for reflecting that back that I really yeah. appreciate that. That was, that felt, yeah, that felt nerve wracking. And you were such an amazing partner and, and just, you were so in your integrity and in your belief in what's right and what needs to be said and what is standing on the side of justice that, yeah, it definitely inspired me and kind of like bolstered my, my courage. Mm. I got to borrow a little bit of your courage.
1: <laughs> I I appreciate that. You may have been borrowing more of my stubbornness than my courage. <laughs> I think the courage is immaterial if I'm not really thinking about the consequences. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. I'll say, I'll say for me, that episode may be the single episode that I'm the proudest of And I just want to thank all the people who've approached me, particularly locally, Mm. including people who are pretty damn knowledgeable about Israel and Palestine Mm. to like, thank us for that episode, sharing that it gave them different ways of thinking about what was going on and responding to different critiques and pressures that people are experiencing. Mm. And it just, it means a lot that it's been received in that way. And people are continuing to listen to it, which is very cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think like, I feel, I feel proud of the way that I've grown. I may have said this earlier. I just, I feel proud of the way that I've grown through doing this. And I came into this in a pretty fragile place. Mm -hmm. Listeners may, may remember that this, this podcast started based on a set of questions. Allison and I put in a proposal that we didn't get, (laughs) um, scary, scary questions that white people ask ourselves where nobody's around um, and there were things that became future episode topics like how do I know I'm really an anti-racism and not just performing um, are all my friends of color just placating me as part of a survival strategy in a more equitable world what happens to me and like my career and all these things and we th- we didn't start the pod to answer those questions per se but we I th- I'll speak for myself. I felt like I needed much firmer ground to stand on in terms of my legitimacy and worthiness Mm -hmm. as a a white person in this work, despite, Mm -hmm. and it's grown a lot over the last couple of years too, but despite like the significant amount of work, which was already more than a lot of white people had put in to develop an analysis and hold myself accountable in these different things. Mm -hmm. And I think I've become a lot more resilient. Yeah. Um, I've already developed a lot more ease. I'm clearer about what I deserve, right? And that can be tricky, but on a basic level, like as a human being, I mm-hmm. do feel entitled to a certain level of respect and everybody else should too. Sure, right? yeah. Or, well, we'll call that a hot take. I don't know. That feels maybe a bit overgeneralized, <laughs> but um, yeah. And just like the voices that were clamoring in my head all the time, like second-guessing everything I did are so much quieter and more integrated. And the pod has been a big part of that. Therapy has been a big part of that. Good friends and collaborators have been part of that. You've been a big part of that. And this pod and the people who've sort of um, engaged with with me around that have been a part of that. So I'm just really grateful um, to have had this space. Oh. And with you in particular. <sighs>
0: Thanks for kind of pulling back the curtain of your own, I don't know, experience and like sharing kind of vulnerably where you started out and where you are now. And yeah, I feel really grateful to have been a part of that and hopefully to continue mm-hmm. to be a part of each other's growth.
1: Yeah. What's one thing you want to leave our listeners with?
0: Ooh. That question made me sit back. No one saw. I just leaned back in my chair. And said, oh. <laughs> I oh, that's such a good question. You asked such good questions. Um the first thing that's coming up for me is that there's a place for you in this work,
1: mm-hmm. dear listener.
0: There's a there's a place for you. Um and I say that in a, a moment of trying to figure out what my next place is gonna be. Um, so I'm believing it for myself and I believe it for you too. And yeah, I want. I want as many people as possible to be plugged into this work as many white folks as possible, um, specifically. And yeah, I just want to encourage us to, to do what it takes to, to, to find our next home in this work. Mm. Cause I think there is one, I think there's one, I think there's roles for all of us. I know it. I know there's roles for all of us and they may change over time. Um, but I think, the need, the need is always there. And we are always in some way equipped to meet that need. Mm. So that's,
1: yep. yeah, yep. that's what
0: I leave our listeners with. That's do you good. want to leave our listeners with anything, even though they may be hearing your voice in the near future?
1: Well, if there's one thing <laughs> I'm always good for. It's talking. Um <laughs> I think for me, it's what I've been saying this whole time, which is like, you can do this work rigorously without feeling like shit all the time. Mm. Yeah. And like, if you can, why not just do it? I'm no, sorry. This whole podcast has been about all the ways that you don't just do it, right? You got to figure it out. So let me yeah. revise that. Just, I still think it's true, and I think you owe it to yourself. I felt like I owed it to myself, and you might too. To ask the question, what if that were possible for me? Hmm. 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 One thing I have not learned in the two years of doing this podcast is brevity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what what you'll learn in the next season of your life. Who knows? Letting letting
1: go of the love of my the sound of my own voice. Maybe, maybe uh, not. We'll see, friends.
0: Oh, that's so funny. You're the best. You're second the best. best. <laughs> uh thank you so much, Damir. Thanks for just thank being you and for co-creating this space with me and like i said earlier i'm excited to see what if anything it becomes and i'm proud of what we did
1: same and thank you for saying yes
0: i think that's it thank you In it together podcast listeners